Hi, my name is Lindsay Barnhill and I am literally on the street right now, parked of course in my car, safely. But I just wanted to share about how I discovered Warehouse Church. I went to a Google search because I am new to town, sort of, and I typed in churches near me. And when I did that, I found Warehouse Church and the second that I walked in the doors, I felt so welcomed, it was amazing. I felt this sense of community that I've never felt before and it was really overwhelming, to be honest. And um, every single time I meet a new person and have a new conversation, I fall more and more in love with this church and this community and I am so happy to be here. Um, remember, hashtag God's on Google. Give it up for Lindsay. She's right here in the second row. Sweet, sweet young lady. She's a band teacher for Plano ISD, and uh, she's just amazing. We appreciate her sharing her story, and I hope that you'll be encouraged to share your story with us. We're going to share some stuff with you on how you can do that this week, so we sure love to hear how God moved you here and how God's done different things in your life. We had a big weekend this weekend, another royal wedding. Marianne's daughter, Jenna, got married, and Right in here is our first wedding in this building. It was really cool. I had a good time with that. And um, uh, just neat time with our families and, and, and just neat to see what the Lord's done in her life. And we're just honored to be a part of that. Hey, I want you to look at somebody that's sitting near you and say, what's your story? Just ask them, say, what's your story? What's your story? What's your deal? We know, we know your story already. You already shared your story, right? Everybody's got a story. Um, I like telling stories. Um, if, if, you are, if you will consider taking a missions trip with us someday, we go to a lot of places. Uh, we've, we've done a lot of mission work in Guatemala. Uh, we're talking about some different places in the next few years. Uh, Katie and Nick, uh, one of our uh, former staff couple, my daughter and my son-in-law, are missionaries now with MANA Worldwide. And um, they are uh, representing... Europe, and they're going to be working with um, orphanages and feeding centers and churches and, and just a lot of neat different ministry things there, uh, human trafficking uh, ministry that they're going to be connected with. Really, really neat. We're going to be able to do that. But every time we get together on these trips, we travel with the, the missions, the, the director, the founder, the El Presidente of Manor Worldwide. His name is Bruce O'Neill. And Bruce O'Neill, when we travel, something always happens to us, always happens to us. Uh, we were in the Philippines one time when I was a missionary in the Philippines, and he came to visit us, and we were driving down the road someday, and this dude who was driving next to us, and I don't know if you've ever driven in a third world country before, but it makes Dallas look like you're driving on a golf course, okay? It really does. So um, we were in a road one day, and this guy cut us off really bad, and our mirrors kind of hit each other and both fell off, and he got mad and jumped out of the car and was just cussing my head off like it was my fault. And uh, Bruce rolled his window down like a dummy. I was driving. Bruce rolled his window down. And the guy reached in and grabbed Bruce. Well, if you know Bruce, Bruce is, could be part of, of, of Herbert's family, of your wife's family, I mean. Bruce is about maybe 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, He's not a big guy. So I kind of tower over him. This guy reached in and grabbed Bruce. Well, when he did that, that just went all over me. If I... Big guy, little friend, I have a responsibility. You guys understand that, right? 
So this, so I pulled this Filipino guy into the car, grabbed him by his shirt, and said, "You take your hands off of my friend, or I'm gonna, you get out of the car right now. We're gonna settle this right now." So I pushed him out of the car, and I walked up to him, and he was like this tall on me. I'm, I mean, literally this tall. And he looked at me, and he went, "I'm sorry," <laughs> and he was bawling, and he was afraid because he thought I was gonna kill him. So we invited him to church. It was great witnessing opportunity. Really great witnessing opportunity, but we winded up giving him money uh, for, his, uh, for his mirror that got knocked off and talked to him for a little bit. I said, buddy, what are you doing putting your hand on big fat Americans like that for? He said, I will never do again. That's how we ended the conversation. But, you know, we all have stories. Uh, you may have stories of, of some things that happened. How many of you had a crazy week this week? Raise your hand up in the air. How many of you had yucky stuff happen to your house this week because of the rain? Raise your hand up in the air. I got a call from one of our members this morning who said, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be at church today. Like the first call I got today was somebody telling me they're not coming to church. Not a good way to start the day, you know, but he called me up. He said, hey, man, we have water coming in from the ceiling, and then our foundation is broken. We have water coming in up underneath. Uh, some of you know Brian and Sarah Umbach. They're newer to our church. They just had a baby. And, he said, and then he said this, water's coming from the roof. Water's coming through the foundation. And to make matters worse, and you can quote me when you talk to him, he said, my mother-in-law's coming to town today. So take that as you will. But anyway, that's his story, you know. All of us have stories. If you look at the person around you or across the aisle or behind you or in front of you, all of us walked in with stuff today. We walked in with a very storied past. Let me ask you something. How many of you don't want everybody to know everything about your past? Raise your hand up with me. Well, that's the fastest response I've ever gotten in our church. I don't want you to know everything about my life. I share a lot with you about my, uh, about my life. I'll get in the car sometimes after church, and my wife went, hey, man, she, she'll do this big thing like this. So what's that? She said, you were oversharing today. That was a little bit too much family information today. But all of us have a story. All of us have had something significant happen in our life. All of us have been hurt. All of us have gone through brokenness. All of us have gone through sadness. All of us have gone through elation, you know. I don't know what the greatest thing that's ever happened to you in your life or the worst thing that maybe has ever happened to you in your life, but you and I have a story. We're going to read about a guy who wrote just about half of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, and I, I, I love this passage. We're going to be reading from Acts chapter 26 because, you know, sometimes when you read the Bible, you kind of get in like that Bible language mode, you know, the, the withersoevers and the, the old-sounding language and, you know, it's perfect cadence and and because it's the Bible, uh, we, we think of the Bible like the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And we could kind of quote that stuff, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it kind of becomes a little bit, um, little, there's a little bit of a disconnect for, for us sometimes because sometimes it doesn't feel like it's 2018 language. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that to disrespect the word of God. What I'm saying is, if you read it and maybe find a version that, that will work for you uh, it, 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 where, where you're comfortable reading, but if you find, I read the NIV and I read the New Living Translation. I read the New Living Translation in my daily Bible reading with about 30 of you in our church who read with me. Uh, we're going through the Bible in a year, but I, I do most of my messages out of the NIV because I, I just, that's, that's what I like to do. But, you know, you find a version that works for you. I had some guy come up to me a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, and said, hey, were you reading from the NIV today? I said, yeah. He goes, I don't like the NIV. And I thought, oh, here we go with this argument, right? He says, 
I prefer the Spanish Bible because I'm Spanish. I went solid. I got you, bro, but I don't read Spanish. And I thought he was just joking with me to kind of get me riled up. But Paul is, is telling a story. He's telling a story. Now, here's a guy who was uh, an amazing, educated theologian with Old Testament teaching. Pharisees. Paul described himself as a Pharisee's Pharisee, which means he probably had over half of the Old Testament. You ready for this? Not read, but memorized. Smart dude. He knew a lot of the Bible. He knew all the ways of the word uh, of the Old Testament. And, 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 and so Paul was a very learned man. So you would think this, this master theologian, doctor-level educated guy, when he's talking to a king or talking to someone of, of significance, education, importance, would kind of throw down a little bit theologically to try to wow them with their words. You know what I'm saying? But you know what Paul did? He told a story, and we're gonna, I'm going to read that for you. Acts chapter 26, he's talking to a guy named Agrippa. Agrippa said to Paul, you may speak in your defense. He was giving him the platform, the ability to, to, to share whatever he had to do. Paul was, he was on trial, and he very well knew that he could have been killed. He could have been uh, murdered because of his faith, right? And, and Agrippa said, say what you need to say. Now, Paul had rights to be able to do that because he was a Roman citizen, which is very significant. If you read Acts chapter 16 and 17, was Paul was beaten by the Roman guards and thrown into prison. He is, the, the walls came tumbling down, and they were able to walk out of prison, and the prison guard came up to him and apologized. He got saved, and later on in that chapter, Paul said to me, you had no right to do that to me because you paid for your Roman citizenship. I was born a Roman citizen. So it's pretty significant, Paul's position and platform that he was able to have when he was speaking to other people. So he used his platform not to tell how smart he was, not to tell these grandiose stories of his world travel. You know, Paul told, he told a story. So Paul, gesturing with his hand, started his defense. He says, I'm fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defense today. You know what, if you read that part right there, you know what it sounds like he's doing? It sounds like he's kissing up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? He's kind of, he, he's, he's acknowledging the king. He's acknowledging the platform for which he's able to speak from. He's acknowledging the fact that he's got to throw some respect. You know, we, taught, we say this in our church every once in a while. We honor up, we honor down, and we honor all around. That's what Paul was doing. And he said, I am I'm fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defense today against all these accusations made by the Jewish leaders. For I know you are an expert on all Jewish customs and controversies, now, please listen to me patiently. What a kind way to start his, his testimony or his story or his defense. As the Jewish leaders are well aware of, I was given a thorough Jewish training from my earliest childhood among my own people and in Jerusalem. If they would admit it, they know I have been a member of the Pharisees, the strictest sect of our religion, and now I'm on trial because of the hope in the fulfillment of God's promise made to our ancestors. In fact, this is why the 12 tribes of Israel zealously worship God night and day, and they share the same hope that I have. Yet, Your Majesty, they accuse me for having this hope. Why does it seem incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? He says, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to, to oppose the very name of Jesus of Nazareth. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priests, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them, 
I chased them down in foreign cities. Now, this is part of his testimony. If you read when Paul got saved in Acts chapter 9, the previous few chapters, the Bible says that there was a man named Stephen who was a deacon in the church, went out on the synagogue steps, told people about Jesus. The Bible says they took him out of the city. They stoned him. They murdered him. They took his clothes, and they laid his clothes at the feet of a guy named Saul of Tarsus, which is this guy right here talking about what happened in his life. He said, one day I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with authority and commission of leading priests about noon. Your majesty, I was on the road. Now, now listen to this. He says, I was on the road, your majesty. He's getting his attention, right? Throwing him some honor. And then he shares this crazy, crazy story about what happened in his life. About noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Now, can you imagine him telling the story, right? Sometimes guys have a reputation of not being as uh, personally dramatic about family stuff. You know what I'm saying? If you ask a woman, uh, you know, if she's pregnant or getting ready to have a baby, there's a story. Right? And women ask those stories, you know. Uh, how long were you in labor? Da 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 da. How big was the baby? You know, what, what kind of birth did you have? This, this, and this. Gary and Tara are getting ready to have a baby. Christine and Johnny are getting ready to have a baby. Gary's our student pastor. Christine is my daughter. Johnny, my son in law. And we have other people that, that, that are having babies. Some I'm allowed to talk about, some I'm not allowed to talk about. Miss Jennifer's here with Luke. I am your father. And her, and her, her husband in the back. They're beautiful little boys in church today. But, man, guys don't talk about the babies like women do. Did you ever notice that? Like, if I go make a, you know, here, somebody tells me they had a baby. Hey, did you have a baby? My questions are 10 fingers, 10 toes, breathing. I, that's a kind of, you know, that's really the basics, right? She wants to know the weight, the length, how long was labor. And I, I just, I've learned a long, long time ago, don't ask women questions about physical stuff. Can I get an Amen. Because you just don't know where that's going to go. You know what I mean? I learn new words from talking to women about having babies. I just don't do it anymore. I'm, and I'm telling you, by the time I'm 60, I'm going to be a very, very smart man. I'm not quite there yet. But Paul's given this great, great account of what took place in his life. And I just can't imagine him saying, uh, King Agrippa, I was walking down the road, and the craziest thing happened. Light came down from heaven, bada-bing, bada-boom, and you know what happened next, right? No, I think he was demonstrative in his, in his verbiage. I think he was animated in what he was saying. Here's what he's saying. King Agrippa, your majesty, you're not going to believe this, right? I was walking down the road, and this light came down from heaven, and his voice was speaking in Aramaic. That was very relevant, right? It was very relevant. They were talking. He was talking in Aramaic, and I was Boom, on the ground. And the voice from heaven said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I mean, do you think this rocked his world? I think it's rocked his world so much that when he was telling the story, he was telling it like it had just happened. And he says in verse number 15, Who are you, Lord, I asked. And then he said this, And the Lord replied to me, I am Jesus. This is Jesus talking to Saul, or Paul. And Paul is telling what Jesus said to him. I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, because I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me. Tell them what I will show you in the future. 
I will rescue you and uh, from both of your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. Now listen, all the Roman people that were there in court that day, right? Paul's very, very strategic. Paul said, I'm going to send, Jesus told me he was going to send me to my own people and he was going to send me to the Gentiles. And he emphasized it. Yes, the Gentiles. Paul's like, I can't even believe it. I'm a Pharisee. I'm a Jew. God bless you. I said Jewish. I didn't sneeze. I am a Jew. Some of you caught that, right? Come on, somebody laughed this morning like you're alive, okay? <laughs> Give the church laugh. Can you do a church laugh with me? <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you for the polite laugh for me this morning. But he said, I couldn't even believe it myself. He wanted me to give the gospel to our mortal enemies, the Gentiles. Paul was like telling the story, and all you could see all the Jewish people in court going, right? He said, because God told me to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they would receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place amongst God's people who are a part by faith in me. And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. Here's what he's saying. I'm acknowledging, I'm acknowledging your majesty. You're the king. You are my authority in this thing. But then he says this, but I had to obey the vision from heaven. Parents, you know what I'm talking about when your kids are doing something wrong and you say, what are you doing that for? And they try to come back at you and say, well, mom said it was okay, dad. And they go, oh, hey, Mufasa, I get you. Mom said it was okay. It's all good. Paul was saying, I acknowledge your authority, but I was answering to a higher authority. And then he says in verse number um, 21, some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me, but God has protected me right up to to this present time so I could testify to everyone from the least to the greatest. I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen that the Messiah would suffer and be first to introduce or first to rise from the dead and in this way announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. Suddenly Festus shouted, Paul, you are insane. Too much study has made you crazy. Now Festus was an official who he gave his testimony to previously. Festus took Paul and said, we got to go talk to Agrippa. we got to go to the next level. And while he's talking to King Agrippa, Festus kind of defending the fact that uh, he was talking to King Agrippa, yells out and says, Paul, what's wrong with you? He was, I think Festus was worried about even himself getting in trouble here. Let me finish this story. This is great. Paul said, I'm not insane. You ready for this? Honor up, honor down, all around. Most excellent Festus. What I am saying is the sober truth. And King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are familiar to him, for they were not done in a corner. King Agrippa... <coughs> Do you believe the prophets? He said, I know you do. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Paul replied, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everybody here in this audience might become the same as I am except for these chains. Then the king, the governor, Bernice, and all the others stood and left. And as they went out, they talked it over and they agreed. This man has done has it done anything to deserve death or imprisonment? And Agrippa said to Festus, he could have been set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. Now, historically, that's pretty significant because he was a Roman citizen. But I want to kind of focus in on the fact that Paul shared his story. So, so let's, let's parallel a little bit. Paul sharing his testimony. I like that word witness because witness doesn't mean, remember we said this last week, 
that you walk around banging on people's doors. You need Jesus. You're dying and going to hell, right? That's not what witnessing is. Witnessing is you telling someone something that you personally experience. That's what the word witness means, right? Uh, you all have stories, right? I said that. We, we talked about that earlier. We have things that we have personally experienced. I gave you a witness account of what happened with Bruce O'Neill and myself one day when we were in the Philippines. You are a witness. Yesterday when we did this, when we did the wedding for Jenna and Jolie, we talked about how we are all part of this Christian wedding because God has, has put a blanket of protection of leadership over this thing, and our responsibility is to be a witness of this to keep them accountable for years to come. We were witnesses of that event yesterday. Paul was a witness of an event that took place in his life, and he was sharing his firsthand account of how he became a follower of Jesus Christ. So when you share your story, there's three things that you share. If you're witnessing to bring other people to church, if you're witnessing to share your faith, if you're witnessing so that other people may have that wonderful thing that you have in that relationship with Christ, you share three things. You share your past, right? Paul did that. Paul said, man, I was a Pharisee amongst Pharisees. I was like leader, 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 educated, all this kind of stuff. I knew the Old Testament front, back, center, and all the way through, that was my stuff. Paul shared his past. Sometimes it's hard for us to talk about our past, especially when you've been, this word redeemed, right? When all things that were bad are now made good again by what the Lord does for you. Uh, we all acknowledged earlier that we don't want everybody to know everything about our past, right? There's some dark spots for all of us, you know, that we can go back and say, ugh, you know, uh, if you were to list five things that you want to do from this point forward in your life, that would probably be pretty easy to do, right? I want to go here. I want to buy this. I want to do that. I want to experience this. But if I were to say to you this morning, name your top five biggest regrets in life and write them down, we'd get this. This is what I would see from you. Right? Some of you would say, where do I start? Does anybody, can anybody relate to that? Where do I start, right? You with me, Jack? Woo. Jack and I had lunch last week, and we were talking a little bit, and Jack said, that's enough. I'm done. I can't do any more today, Ed. I've told you enough. I've let you in far enough, right? We don't like to talk about all the yucky stuff in our past, but you know what? Our past doesn't have to define our future, but it talks about the path that we've been on, right? Paul shared his path, and here's what he was doing. He was trying to relate to the king. Yeah, that was me. I was that guy. I was that guy. And he shared his past. You also share, when you're sharing your faith story, your personal encounter. Now, I don't know about you, and this may be true about your life. My uh, encounter with Jesus Christ was not the same as Paul's. I was not riding on the back of a horse. Light didn't shine down from heaven and knock me on my back and speak in Aramaic and said, Ed, Ed, why are you persecuting me? But I have a salvation story. I have a story about, uh, there was a moment in my life, and, and I grew up kind of in a half-Christian home. My dad wasn't saved, and my mom was saved, and she took us to church, and I was that kid that went to church against his will. Did anybody have to go to church as a kid against your will? Raise your hand, unless your mom's here. Okay. Your daughter went, mm, then she looked at you and put her hand back down, mm, you know, like that. But, you know, I went to church against, I didn't want to go to church. I wanted to be with my dad. I wanted, my dad had a, a deli, had a grocery store. And going to work with my dad was the coolest thing. And I thought, man, I was, man, I just go to work with my dad. I want to go be with my dad. I don't want to go to church. It's boring. I sleep and I get yelled at all the time. That's how I felt about church as a kid, right? Probably for a good reason that I got yelled at all the time. 
But I realize all that stuff that I learned as a kid in church, there was a moment when it wasn't what my mom was teaching me or Mr. Kaufman was teaching me or Pastor Cartwright was teaching me or Miss Pratt was teaching me. There was a moment where God was speaking to my heart directly and the Holy Spirit said, all that stuff is true. And you are going down the wrong path with your life. And if you don't get your stuff together, your kids are not going to have a dad and you are not going to have a future and I am not going to be able to bless your life. You have to start doing what you know you need to do. And I gave my life to Christ when I was about 24, 25 years old. And it changed my life. That's part of my story. That's my encounter. And then you sh- the, rest of the, the last part of your story is this. You share your past. You share your encounter. It doesn't have to be real dramatic. And if you did grow up in church and, 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 and give your heart to Christ when you were a kid, praise God that you did that. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we get very, uh, we love hearing the super-duper dramatic I was a drug dealer and killed 10 people, and then I gave my life to Christ story. We love those stories, right? I was on death row. They were injecting the lethal stuff in my veins. I gave my life to Christ, and I was set for me like, oh, I love that story. I wish I had a dramatic story like that, right? But your story is your story. Your story is real. We share our past. We share our encounter, and then we share our challenge. You know, Paul said, Agrippa, you know this stuff is true. Paul wasn't saying it to Agrippa because he knew it was because he thought that Agrippa knew that what he was saying was true historically. Paul was sensitive to the leading of God's Holy Spirit, and Paul saw, and some of you guys are going to think I'm cray-cray by saying this, Johnny, and some of you guys are going to know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this, I'm going to explain it. Paul saw Agrippa's face and that he was being convicted or compelled by God's Holy Spirit. Now, if you're new to church, if you've never heard anything like that before, if you've been in church forever, if you've never heard anything like that before, sometimes when you're in church and people talk about the Holy Spirit's leading, they go, Ooh, right? The Holy Spirit's like that forgotten part of God that we don't like to talk about because we think people are crazy. If you're sitting next to somebody crazy, tell them they're crazy, and then tell them you're crazy. You're crazy. It's okay. God's Holy Spirit's part of his trinity, He is just as much as God as God the Father and God the Son is. Somebody say amen. It's part of the Godhead, part of the Trinity, triunity of God. And Paul, you you know how when you talk to somebody and you could see, you know, you could see when you're talking to somebody when they're distracted. I tell people sometimes I know when I need to land the plane because I'll look out and I'll see people are hungry because they'll start texting each other. Where are we going to lunch today? Where's our group going to lunch today? Honey, what are we having for lunch today? Because our attention span really does matter with how good lunch is, right? If we're doing like 1050 or a great barbecue place, we're kind of checked out even right after the first worship song. We're kind of done. Lunch. I was talking to my friend David. He came up to me. He said, hey, man, I bet you're glad Carson Wentz is back. You know, the Eagles and this, this, and this. And I'm, and I'm engaging in this conversation. I'm like, I got to stop because I'm not going to want to be in church today because I want to go watch that game, right? We're going to have a big problem in our church in about two or three weeks. The Philadelphia Eagles, who most of you, I know, I'm just, I'm just reaching, but some of you like, right, play the Jacksonville Jaguars in England at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'll be here in church that day, but my heart will be in England. <laughs> but, you know, when, when you're talking to somebody, you know how you can kind of tell when they're listening to you? You know, concern looks, paying attention looks. But you can also tell when they're checked out, when they kind of have the glaze over. 
when is this person ever going to shut up? Ah, oh, man, done this conversation. Ugh, squirrel. We kind of kind of get in that mode, you know what I'm saying? Paul saw something on Agrippa's face, and this is what it was. When God's Holy Spirit starts speaking in your heart, it's not spooky and weird and crazy and, you know, ooh, like, you know, ghost or anything like that, but the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit will, will, will give you leadership in your life. You can't understand the Word of God without the Holy Spirit of God working in your life. You can't have a relationship with God apart from the conviction or the compelling or the prompting. It's like the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart saying, I know that guy's weird, but this stuff is true. You need to listen because it's for you. And Paul saw that on Agrippa's face. (sighs) Compelling. You know, he kind of saw that that was happening. He was acknowledging that. So, So why do we need to tell our story? Why do we need to tell our story? The first thing, your story strengthens the church. It's... It's, it's kind of good to know that, that you're not the only person that's gone through what you've gone through. You know, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, uh, people that go to, to those recovery kind of groups, they share something. They share a bond that people that aren't addicts just don't understand. And if you've never had an addiction issue, if you were to sit and listen to people talking about their struggle, their daily struggle with their addiction, you might say, I don't, I don't get this. this is just, I don't relate to this. I don't get this. But others of you might say, oh, I get it because I have a struggle in another area, and we relate to that. Some of us do. Some of us don't relate to that. But there are stories in your life. You, you may hear this sweet girl story this morning and say, oh, wow, a beautiful girl found a church, right? Uh, and, and, and she loves everybody there. Well, it's easy for everybody to love her. Look how pretty she is. It's easy for everybody to love her. She's single. All the single ladies, all the single ladies, right? That's easy, right? She's guy trolling at church, right? No. That was cool. That was funny, though, right? <laughs> you might not relate to her story. You might not relate to Gary's story. Why in the world does he keep his hair that long? What's he trying to be like Jesus? Yes, he is. He really is. Not just his hair, but with his life. If you know Gary, you know that's true. But we all have a story, you know. Uh, my friend, Dr. Brian Hooten, who's got a chiropractic care center, that, that's been a big, big part of my life and, and a big part of my health of, of my life. One of the things that I love that he does, and this is not a commercial for Dr. Brian, I promise you that. He's just my buddy. One of the things I love that he does, he's got a big TV screen in his waiting room, so that you don't get tired of waiting sometimes because it takes forever. Just kidding. But you know what he does? He has people telling their story. And there's some things I relate to. I don't know. No, no. Oh, wait, turn that one up. I get that guy. Right? I get that lady. I understand that struggle. Your story can strengthen other people's lives. Here's the second thing. It encourages others to follow suit. It encourages others to follow suit. Uh, I tell a story of a guy, uh, Kenan, in England. Um, he was a bus driver at this camp we did year, that, we, that we're very heavily involved in. I, and I was the camp speaker th- that year. And I was standing outside, and this guy was covered from his earlobes. He had them on his earlobes, tattoos on his earlobes, all the way, tips of his fingers, between his fingers. I mean, this guy had a million tattoos. He had to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, and he was smoking a cigarette. And I, said, I walked up to him. We were just talking. I said, hey, man, you want to go in and kind of see what they're doing tonight? You know what he said to me? Nobody in that church is like me. Nobody in that church would want me there. Nobody likes people like me. I'm thinking, okay, I got to find a way to relate to this guy. I got to find a way to relate to this guy, right? 
Here's this English dude, different accent, tattooed from head to toe. Where am I, how am I going to connect to him? I went, <gasps> and I rolled up my sleeve, and I showed my tattoo starter kit. I have one little tattoo on my arm, right, like one. I said, I have a tattoo, and I smoked a cigar a couple months ago. That was my connection to this guy, right? I have a tattoo, and I smoked just like you do. We're bros, man. We're just tight. We're connected by the soul. And he looked at me. He's like, what is this fat white guy talking about? I could, he didn't say that, but I felt that he was saying that to me, right? I said, buddy, why don't you just come in, sit next to me, and if you don't like it, I'll come back out with you while you smoke a cigarette later. He went, you would? I said, yes. So we go into church, and he's watched them do the crazy Christian music, people raising their hands, dun, 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 so good, so good. He said, they're dancing up here. I said, they're having fun. I don't know. They're just, that's what they do here. They're kind of, so it's going on and on and on. He didn't know me from anybody. I said, hey, listen, I'm going to get up. He said, you promised me you wouldn't. I said, I'm going to be within eyesight of you, but I've got to go up on the stage and say a couple words, and I'm going to come back down and sit next to you. So I got up and I spoke, and his eyes were like, I can't believe the preacher was talking to me that whole time, right? You could just tell. He was like, Gong. and you know what? That young man came up to me that night, and he asked Jesus Christ to be a Savior, right? And listen, that wasn't me. I'm an idiot. Don't say amen. I am. I'm an idiot. Again, don't say amen. But we, I found a connecting point and showed a tiny bit of care only because I was listening to the Holy Spirit who was leading me to do that. It wasn't on my own, I promise you. And you just don't, sometimes we underestimate the value of our story because there's somebody out there that will totally relate to you and needs to hear what God did in your life. Number three, it creates habits of humility. When you know your story, and you really know what God did in your life, you know what you know? It is all about God, and it's not about you. I, can't, I cannot believe the privilege we get to share with people Jesus Christ every week in our church. I can't get over the fact that we get to share what God has done and what God wants to do. Boy, we had a, such a great week. This is not our permanent place. Well, none of this is our permanent place, but this is not our permanent meeting place. We're in a construction project to my right and your left, and this week, we had huge blessings from, from, the, the, uh, from the township, our city, Plano, from different um, uh, construction guys, from our electrician, from our HVAC guy. And, man, you are just going to see. If you peek in there this week, do it before you leave, and then check it out next week. It's going to start looking different every single week. We made our appointment this week to have our sound system installed because we know when that's going to be done. Our master calendar got put together this week, and we're like, oh, man, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. So if you're here, this is not where we meet every single week. We're going to be meeting over there soon. But, but the thing is about when, when, when we come together, we get to tell people our story, and when you tell your story, you understand it's not about you. It's about him. It creates habits of humility. Number four, it's a safeguard against assumptions. Man, you know what? we got to be careful. My dad used to say this. Don't assume because when you assume, you're making an ASS out of you and me. I just said that in church. Some kids are going to go to their parents. Dad, did he discuss in church today? No, I spelled it out. Okay, I just spelled it out. Just spelled it out. That's all we did. But here's the thing. Listen now. You look at somebody, right? Do you ever see somebody that just has that look on their face that they're just mad at everybody? Like they got a corn cob lodged in a part of their body. They're like, Rrr. 
right? And sometimes we get offended at that. We get, man, that person's miserable. That person's mad. That person, what are we doing? We're assuming. Wonder what would happen if you went up to that person and said, hey, man, you okay? Is, is, there, is there something? And, and you kind of diffuse that a little bit, right? Because sometimes we assume things because people may be of a different color or a different lifestyle choice or a different clothing choice or a different, you know, orientation or you don't know their story. You don't know everything in their life that brought them up to that day that they were in front of you. You don't know their story. Why do we assume that? No, they wouldn't want to hear from me. They don't, they don't like people like me. They don't, you know what I mean? And if you share your story about what God did in your life, it, it's a safety guard against assumptions. And here's what else it does. It reminds you, when you tell your story, you know what it does? It reminds you and I to worship. Romans or chapter 12, Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 10 and then verse 14, it says this. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I'm going to read 11 and 12 too. Those, these are good verses. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep yourself spiritually fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in love. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And then listen to this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. You don't know what other people are going through. And they may need to hear your story. So I have two things for homework. I even have an extra credit thing. Don't you guys love? You know when you get bad, not, not that any of you have done this, right? But you know when you get a bad grade? And you say, man, I hope the teacher gives extra credit today. I need some extra credit. I got to get my grade up to that D plus. I got to get some extra credit today, right? So I'm going to give you a homework assignment to do two things. But if you need extra credit, you can do the third thing, okay? So here's the first thing I want to encourage you to do this week. Write out your story. Just write it out. You could text it and then screenshot it if you want to. If you have my cell phone number, text it and send it to me. I'd like to read it. My phone number is 610 952 9397. If you didn't hear that, listen to the sermon this week and you can you can hear it again. 610-952-9397. And send me your story. I'd like to read your story. I want to hear, I'd love to hear what God's done in your life. And 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 I've had the privilege of having one-on-one meetings with a lot of with a lot of different people in our church. My dear friend in the back row, Coach Terry Blake, was in our church on the second or third week. I wasn't even here. He heard Ginger Jesus speak two weeks in a row. I hadn't even met the guy yet. And one of our ushers came up to him and said, hey, can you help us take the offering today? And he's like, huh? And he felt loved, and he felt affirmed, and he felt welcomed, and he felt like he was part of our family. And I didn't get to meet this guy who joined our church to the third week he was here, right? But I got to sit down with him. You know what he told me? He told me his story. He told me his story. His story's compelling. He's the original, what's the, what's the name of that movie again, Coach? You're the, he is the blindside original story. The, the, the blindside movie that came out after that was a copycat of what really happened in that guy's life right there. That's his story. It was great to hear his story. I know Gary's story. Clint told his story a couple weeks ago at our Men's Breakfast Network. Rocked the whole place. It was unbelievable. Did a great, great job. Some of you have great stories. I know Coach's story. I know Dave's story. I know Kenan's story. He's a guy in our church we prayed for for months, didn't even know if he was going to be alive, and he's sitting in church right now. 
right? Yeah, praise God. I know Warren's story. Warren's my friend in the back row sitting next to his pretty wife, and he and I, as soon as he gets some things straightened out in his life, we're going to be able to spend more time on weekends together soon, aren't we, Warren? Amen. Boom, boom. So, you know, I know Chris's story. I know his father-in-law's story, who he's sitting one chair away from very strategically, right? That's very intentional, but I know their story, right? And it's not that I need to know your story, but listen to me. Somebody does. So write out your story this week. That's assignment number one. That's pretty easy. We all like talking about ourselves, right? Here's the second one. This is the hard. Remember how homework, the first thing, oh, that's really, really easy. Here's the second part. It's the hard part of your homework. Write out your story. You ready? And then share it with someone. You know, share it with somebody. Share with somebody. Share with your BFF. Share with somebody else that's a believer. If you want to. If you want to just, before, before you go into the world of sharing with unsaved people or non-church people or people that you don't know because we shouldn't judge people, share it with somebody. Now, here's your extra credit. If you will gladly accept this mission that I'm about to ask you to do, you will get extra church credit points, and I would guarantee you probably get even a cooler room in heaven someday. But here's your assignment. Send a selfie video of your story to this phone number, and we'll put it up on the screen at the end of the service when Kelsey's given announcements, to 972 800 9424. That's our church phone number. 972-800-9424. Don't do like a 30-minute, you know, thing, okay? Because it doesn't, t- it doesn't text very good when you do it like that. Try to do about 60 seconds. Take, do a video. Send it to that number. And we'll take part of that, and we'll show it in church. And, and, and we'll affirm you, and we'll celebrate what God's done in your life. Here, here's what I want you to know this morning. Your story is very, very, very important. Here's why. Because it's really not about you anyway. See, when I'm telling my story, if I'm making my story so compelling that the goal of my story is that everybody wants to make Ed Trinkle his best friend, I'm missing the point of sharing my story. The reason that I want to share a story with you, the story with you, the reason that Paul told the story to King Agrippa was this. He said, I see, Paul said, I see you know that this is true because he wanted King Agrippa to do something that God told Paul that he was going to have the opportunity to do the day that he had that light shine down from heaven and knock him. You know what would have been really cool if instead of being on a horse, if Saul was on a donkey that day? Because how cool of a story would it have been? Some of you know where I'm going with this. I was going down the road on the back of a donkey a light shone down from heaven and knocked me right off of my, and then you could say it, and then it would be okay. You know what I mean? Wouldn't that be a really cool story? That'd be a really cool story. If you didn't know what that meant, ask Gary. He'll explain it to you after church today. But the reason that Paul shared his story, because God told him back in Acts chapter 9, I'm going to use this guy who was murdering Christians to stand before kings, to stand before leaders, and he's going to testify of what I did in his life. That's the power of your story. Write it out this week. Share it with somebody. Take a video. If you're brave, send it to us. We'll show some of it in church next week. But maybe today your story about your relationship with Christ starts today. Whatever God did to bring you to our church today, you know, and I love hearing stories. When I gave my life to Christ back when I was 24 years old, I had two babies I was living like an idiot. I was just making bad decisions in my life. I thought church started at 6.30 at night. It started at 6. I walked into church. My wife said, I'm not going to church tonight 
half hour late, when you haven't darkened the door of this church, and if you know my wife, you know she said it like this to me too. You have not been to church in three years, and you're going to walk in. Everybody's going to say, oh, Ed Trinkle's finally back at church. You want me to go to church with you? Let's go next week when we go on time. We were 30 minutes late for church. But I, I told her, I looked at her with tears in my eyes, said, I have to go to church tonight, or I don't think I'm going to live. Something was happening in my heart. And I walked in, sat in the second to the back row, a guy named Rob Fields, said, hey, man, how you doing? He didn't know me, and I'm really glad he didn't because a lot of other people at that church knew me. Put his Bible on my lap, and the preacher that day talked out of 1 John and gave a message about tattoos of a believer. That was the name of his message. Things that are true about you if you're saved. And I walked up that night, and I gave my heart to Christ, and I went home, and I, she said, how was church? And I said, hmm. stuff's about to change. And she went, good. It's about stinking time, you know. <laughs> right, honey? And I dumped about 90 bottles of liquor down my toilet. Had the cleanest pipes in all of Aston Township that night. Flushed down the toilet a five-pound bag of weed that I told my wife about three years later. That's my story. I'm just a guy who struggles just like everybody else does. Somebody needs to hear your story or maybe your story would start today. Whatever it is that brought you here, Let's make today the first day of your story. Can I invite you to bow your heads and just for just a moment of reflection?